Thank you, praise leaders. Um, we are going to welcome back um, Pastor Don, and I'm going to redeem myself from yesterday. Um, he is from New Jersey. He is from up north. Um, yesterday, he talked about, you know, what are we hungering for? And he talked about uh, what does it mean to understand that God, uh, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But a little bit about Pastor Don. Um, he is a father of four. They are eight, four, and two. Yes. Got it. Um, and his wife, Danielle? Diana. Diana. Oh, gosh, I keep messing that up. Okay, so his wife is Diana, and they met in Hebrews class um, in seminary. And uh, he says, interesting, because Hebrews is a love language of God. And they met in Hebrews class. That's very cute. Um, and she, he knew that she was the one when... Uh, he invited her to a children's ministry thing, and um, the children were really seeking the Lord. He's like, oh, that's my wife. And so in a year, uh, they started dating, and then they got married. Um, he wanted to be a dentist, and then he was called into uh, ministry. He, in his former life, has played all the different types of guitars, acoustic, electric, and bass. And he has also played football in his past life and lacrosse. And he loves Pepsi. So if you guys have Pepsi, you can give him a Pepsi. He loves Pepsi. And um, I think in my conversations with him, uh, the thing that I love the most is that um, he knew his calling uh, from God. And there were um, people in his life who may have challenged that and um, may have discouraged him along the way. But he said, you know, when I stand before God... Um, he doesn't want to uh, say that he lived out a different calling that wasn't set for him. Um, he wants to be able to give his life uh, to the calling of being a pastor. And, um, and so we are so privileged to have him here. Um, and let's give him a warm welcome as he gives us another message. Thank you. Um, Did one thing to get right, and which was my wife's name. <laughs> she got it wrong. Oh man, I'm not sure if I'm going to pray for a, a husband anymore. <laughs> she couldn't get my wife's name right. Um, yeah, um, she got most of the facts right. Um, there's a couple that uh, she got a little bit, a couple of some things wrong here and there. Um, I didn't invite her to a um, children's retreat. It was some other church, and she invited me to come with her. And then you know that's when I saw her. You know, and I just uh, just a short, but. Um, she was giving a revival to children, like, you know, these are like 10 years younger, 10 years old, younger, and, and you would think that in these revival meetings, there's just babysitting and all, the, you know, just watch TV and those kinds of stuff, but at the end of the night, these kids were, like, crying out to God. It was so cute, but scary at the same time. They were, like, crying to God. They were praying for their families, their moms, their dads. If there's any divorce, we were praying over that and, you know, any fears that they would have. And they were praying for their friends. And, you know, I've never seen a revival meeting like that, like, ever in my life. And, and, so me, and because of that, I knew that that was wifey material. And, you know, and, you know, that's how I knew that, you know, she was the one that God sent to me. And so that was the whole story. So, but, but, but thank you for um, trying to. Uh, you, know, um, you know, relay that message to everyone. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my wife that, um, you know, that, that you gave, you know, your all. So um, can we stand up for the reading of God's word? Um, um, today we have um, John chapter 10. Um, it's a little bit longer reading, so 
Um, please bear along. Uh, if you have your Bibles, it's, we're going to read verses 1 through 18, John chapter 10, 1 through 18. If, if you have the ESV Bible, that's what I'm reading from. If you don't, it's okay. Um, I always include a Sky Bible for free, um, no charge, um, no you know, extra addition there. So um, just follow along. If not, um, you can could, you could just, 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 just read from your word. Um, you know, and then please, as someone in the back, can you make sure that you, um, you know, to click along for the people? Okay, so this is the word of God. So this is Jesus' word. So truly, truly, I say to you, that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, um, the people that were listening, but, 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 but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. That's what the point. So Jesus said in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go out and out, in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay down, I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of God. You may be seated. How's everyone doing? Is everyone a little tired? Um, so what I always tell people, like during retreats, you know, if you're tired, and I get it, you know, it's, it's important to fellowship, and, you know, and, and what we're doing here is, you know, I, I would say, you know, bigger than just a message, and so it's okay that if you, you know, stayed up a, uh, late last night, you um, did a lot of games and whatnot, too. If you're tired, and you know you're going to fall asleep, um, you know, and that's, that's okay, I, I, I don't take offense, you know, it's, that's perfectly fine, but, but if you know you're going to fall asleep, but you want to stay awake, don't p- put it upon the person next to you to keep you awake. Um, it's best if you just stand up and just, you know, just to stand in the back so you're not bothering anyone. And at least it shows that, you know, what you want to do is, is try to pay attention and try to listen to the Word of God. So, so if that's you, and if you feel yourself, you know, like kind of, you know, you know um, just, just kind of dozing off a little bit, just stand up, right? Stand up, go to the side, go to the back. It, it's fine. You know, I, I know the Spirit is willing, but obviously, you know, our flesh is very weak at this point. Um, I want to say number two is that, you know, I want to thank the pastors. I want to thank the leaders. You know, I, I think I've met so many great people. And I, want to, I really want to thank all the people who have, you know, in their desire that, that they wanted to make this weekend a blessing to you. And especially, you know, Harvest for hosting this event. You know, they opened their doors, you know, so generously to everyone. 
Um, I'm going to kind of jump into the message because I know you guys are tired, but um, yesterday, what did we do yesterday? If you guys weren't here, um, let me give you a quick recap of what we did yesterday. Um, yesterday, we went over the kind of the, the general purpose of the two nights, why I was called um, you know, to come here um, you know, today, and, um, let me turn this on. Um, and that was this. Oh, is it on? Um, actually, can, can you click the next slide? I'm not sure if it's connecting right now. Um, and it's this. Um, the, 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 the basic message is this. Um, what I was told is, what does it mean then to live for and to trust Christ, right? So Christ is the central part to live and to trust Christ. And Christ is central. What does it mean to live and trust him in the midst of temptations and pressures in this world, right? And so last night, we, we kind of answered the, the how to live for Christ, um, that we have this um, appetite for this wrong bread, right? Jesus, um, he, does, he didn't say in last night's message that, that, that you, you guys are, um, you know, just, just eating not enough, you know, that you're, you're, you're feeding this a little bit of myself. But what he's saying is that, no, he's, he's, he flips it around and says, the problem is today is that we have um, this appetite not for, um, you know, not enough bread in this world, but for the wrong bread. And what Jesus says is he offers himself as the life-giving bread to fill and to counteract these, these wrong desires. Now, today we're going to talk about trust, right? Trust. Trust is this topic that I'm sure is going to be a sensitive one that we have to kind of wrestle with. But, you know, let's be honest, right? At this stage of life, and we kind of went through a panel where we you know, called it hashtag adulting. Um, this is a stage in life that, um, that, the, that the general public, right, the culture of the world, right, especially in America, you know, we, we're asked a lot to really trust in ourselves, right? Trust that as we are adulting in this world, that a lot of pressures are upon you to make the right decisions. And you know, society begins to label you guys as adults, right? When you were 17, you were just children, but all of a sudden, now that you're 18, you're adults, and, and you're making these adult, tr- um, these adult choices, and, and whatever mistakes, whatever, you know, great decision, bad decision, you have to now abide by um, everything that you make. Now, what does it mean to trust Christ then? Right? You may know Christ. You may know that he is true. You may have probably made him as your savior. But the question is, have you then made him as your Lord? Because accepting Jesus as your savior is only kind of half of the equation. See, the other half is that once you've accepted Jesus, the other half of the question, uh, equation is that lordship now. Have you submitted to his lordship? Have you, have you made him supreme in all of your life? Uh, you know, a justification is, um, is this, uh, what we, uh, just a, a fancy word of you know, him making him your savior. But sanctification, the process of making yourself holy, the process of submitting to him, to dying to your old self. This is the lordship aspect. And so what we're going to do is that we're going to spend some time asking this question really in our, in our hearts is that, um, is that how, can we, yeah, how can we trust Christ by following the good shepherd? I, I don't think the click is going to work, so I'm going to tell you to click. Um, is it that one? Okay. So, the, so that's going to be the question for today is that how can we trust Christ by following our good shepherd today? Um, and so, and so, so that's the, the main question, and, 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 and hoping, right, and really at the end of this question, hoping and believing that in this passage that we're going to find all the reasons to really go forth and really trust that he is our good shepherd. Now, I'm going to spend a lot of time um, on, both, on basically the latter half of the passage, but, you know, I, I didn't want to leave the beginning part of the passage out, so, because it's really vital, it really transitions us to really understanding the rest of the passage. Now, um, I'm going to read verse 7, um, and, and this is what verse 7 says. So, there, therefore, Jesus said again, he says to the crowd, Verily, verily, I tell you that I am the gate for the sheep. 
Okay, I'm the gate. So what does it mean to be a gate, right? What does it mean, or other translations, door? What does it mean? And it means this, that any gate, right, any door, anything that we walk in and out of, um, it's basically what we say, it's, it's a portal of entry, right? It's a place that we have, um, that we gain access to in or outside of um, any sing, single place. Now, doors are universal, right? They're so universal nowadays that we don't even think about this concept anymore. We don't think about the number of doors that we walk through every single day, every single moment to, to, to just, you know, to, to get to where we are. In fact, you know, um, as, as I was praying this message, I actually walked through my house and I counted, right? I, 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 do not, I don't have a very big house, but I counted 17 doors in my house alone, right? And I'm not even counting like the refrigerator door or the cabinets or any of these things. I mean, I mean, and I want you to think about it, right? Have you ever, have you ever thought about the number of doors that you walk through every single day? Right? Even if you're coming for the first time and you're coming through this church, how many doors did you walk through even to come inside this room? Right? You, you, you went through your room door. You probably went to the bathroom. If you showered, I don't know, maybe maybe you guys didn't shower. But after you showered, you brushed your teeth. You went back into your room um, to change. Then you went back out of that room. You went through the front door. Um, you may have gone through another door. I don't know. But after you go out to the front door, then you, you go inside your car door. And you drive to church, and you go back out the car door, and you kind of go through one of these double doors, and you hit another set of double doors over there um, to, um, to the sanctuary. Maybe you went to the bathroom to, and to pee, to wash up, to wash hands, whatever it may be, but you came back out again to walk through these doors again, right? So, so, so doors are so ubiquitous nowadays that we don't think about it, but back then, when Jesus says, I am the door or I am the gate, you know, these, these, it's a very specific concept that he's trying to attack. So when he says that I am the door or the gate to the sheep pen, he's not literally implying that he swings open and he swings shut and, 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 and you know, he's like, you know, here, you may go now and here, you may not go, right? He's, so he's referring to himself now, and if you think about what a door is, he's referring himself now to the door in which we have access to the kingdom and to God himself. Right, that's what he's trying to say in this passage, meaning that all throughout time, all throughout redemptive history, all throughout from the beginning of time, that God, when he came to us, right, and he met us in all these different ways, that he provided different avenues of, of, of what we say, you know, limited access to himself, that, that God couldn't fully come you know, us to, to us face-to-face or else we would all die in the instant. So, so he gave us avenues of these limited access to himself. So what did he do? He sent prophets, you know, he sent judges, he sent kings to be the judgment and the rule of God. He, he, he gave us his word so that, so that we would know how to hear, how to know his voice. He gave us the tabernacle, the tent, he gave us the, te- the temple for us to draw near to the, to the holy of holies, to the place closest to his heart, and the sacrificial system so that we will know the grace and the mercy and the law of God himself. And though Israel, through all these different means and peoples and buildings and all these things, though Israel got close to knowing who God was, these were all just mere shadows that pointed to the access. And so when Jesus says, finally in our passage, that I am the access, I am the door, I am the gate into which all these temporary things pointed to, he says, these things are really pointing to me today, that, that I'm, the one, I'm the way that you can get God directly at this moment. 
story. Let me give you a quick story. Um, whenever it snows, I, I, I know it doesn't snow really down here in Florida, right? But snow is real. Snow is, you know, in the East Coast, we get a lot. But whenever it snows, um, you know, but the first thing my children want to do is that, you know, they always want to go outside to play in the snow. Um, I don't know, maybe snow is a bad example, you know, for Orlando. But, but instead of, you know, and so in our house, instead of letting them go through the front door, so what happens is that, you know, our, our, our front door is, is basically, you know, a solid piece of wood that has a small glass opening. So instead of letting them go there, and of course, mommy and daddy are too lazy to follow them. And so we just let the kids go out. Instead of letting them go through the front door, what we do is that we let them go through the back door. In the, in the back, we have the sliding door um, that actually access our, um, our, our back porch. And there's a deck there um, where, where the snow falls on and the kids can just play there. And we let them do that because, you know, number one, you know, we, we, can, we can sit in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the toasty, you know, seats of our own, you know, and basically the, the place, you know, before the, the sliding doors. But because they're sliding doors, we have full access of view so that they don't wander off, you know, into, into the woods or whatever may be out there. Um, and, and whenever our kids get too cold, or what happens a lot with the twins is that, you know, the, the hat comes off or the glove comes off, you know, and they, and, and they want to come back in. You know, what they do is that they just come through the door and they slide the door or they tell us to open the door. And, 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 and we fix their gloves, we put on the hats, we, we wipe their boogers. And, and basically for, the, for like a couple of hours, they go in the door, they go out the door, they go in the door, and they go out the door again. And so this is the point. Whenever my kids want access into my house, they have full rights to freely come in and out as they please. Now, why do my children have access, this free access to my house, when, when my neighbors down the street, you know, when, 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 even my church members, why do they have to knock on the front door when my children can come freely in and out of my house? And the answer is, is because my children have a relationship with me that my neighbors do not. That, that because of this relationship that I have with my children, that they can readily access inside my home where other people have to knock. And the point is this, is that when you know, right, in your heart of hearts, when you know that you are a child of God, you don't have to, what? You don't have to look through the windows in the side and, then, and, 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 and see what God is doing, you know, in all of his heavenly might. You don't have to, you know, walk up as a stranger and, and to kind of peek in at what people are doing in the house. You know, when you are a child of God, you can freely enter um, the house of God wherever you please because you have this right that you don't have to sneak around the back like the neighbors do and just hope and pray that maybe God will meet me today. Right? This is what it means to be a child of God in the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus Christ means, that I am the door, that, that you now have access to this Father, which, which uh, all of ancient Israel hoped and tried to get close to. And so because God is now our Father, and because God sent the Son to us, and because the Son is the door, you can freely come and access the very heart of God and know that you don't come as a stranger, you don't come as a thief, you don't come as a neighbor to God. But right now, in this moment that you come as a child, see, this is the access that the Jews long for, the long to have to God, but now that we have in Christ Jesus today. Now, you may ask, okay, so pass on. So what's so important about that, right? What's so, you know, what's so, what, what, why is that point so important? Like, what is the kingdom like? Why, do, why should we come through this door easily? Well, 1 Corinthians 2, you know, 9 through 10 says, um, you know, says this. It's not clicking. Okay. It says, but that is written, right? And this is what Paul says. The things that no eye has seen or no ear has heard, nor the heart of man, heart of man imagined, 
right, what God has prepared for those who love him, he says that these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. See, that the Spirit today, the Spirit, if you pray and you ask the Spirit to, to reveal what, what the kingdom is like, what God's vision and purpose is like today, that the Spirit is now the window in which you can see fully the kingdom of God, in which you can you know, know your future with God, your this destiny and what God has in store for you. A lot of times, you know, we, 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 we forget that we have this access because we don't access the Spirit enough. Why is this important? Because though you may not tangibly know what tomorrow is going to be like, or 10 years, or 20 years, or 30 years, you know, though we may not know what our future is now, as long as through the Spirit, as long as we can see what our future is like because of the Spirit, and, and, and we can take that vision of the future and store it in our hearts, then with that in our hearts, we can with patience wait for the future that God has promised us today. That whatever situation that you're struggling through right now, because of the Spirit shows you what the end will be like, that we will be with God forevermore. There is no more suffering, no more pain. With that vision, we can hold that vision in our sufferings and with patience know that this suffering will not last forever. Right? That is what 1 Corinthians 2.9.10 promises us today. That because Jesus is that door, because he says in the passage he is that door, he promises us, you know, this, um, you know, this abundant life. I think you have to just click for me. Click. Next slide. Yeah. No, be back. This abundant door. Yeah, that, 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 that he would promise us a life that is abundant. And because you are God's children, right, not because of merit, right, and not because of works or by anything other than grace, is that today you have access to this door in Jesus Christ. And so this is the promise. Let's be, I'm going to say this honestly, that tonight you don't need me. Right? Tonight you don't need Pastor DL. Right? You, don't know, you, don't, you, you really don't know, you don't need any pastor or leader to have access to the heart of God right now. But that all of the blessings of heaven are available to you right now, right? In this very moment. That, that we don't have to win the favor of God through, you know, moral perfections or, or, or even have to be at this church to access the full power of heaven. But in Jesus' completed and perfect work on the cross, that we have this abundant life at this very moment. So, child of God, and this is my plea to you, stop peering through the window. You know, stop saying that, oh, I wasn't a good child today. Oh, let me see what my father is doing here today. Stop acting like that and know that he has given you full permission to access and to be with the Father's heart right now, you know, regardless of how you were morally or, you know, whatever it may be, whatever you think distances yourself from God, let's get that thought away from right now and know that Jesus promises he's the door in which you have access to the heart of God. Now, if, let's say that Jesus stopped there right now. He says, I am the door, and that's great, right? If, if, if that was the full end of thing, we can all go home right now, right? The sermon is over. But he doesn't. Because what Jesus says next, click, what Jesus says next is that he says, through the back door, through the back door, there comes a thief, right? There creeps a thief whose sole intention is to steal and to kill and to destroy. See, just because you have access to this door, right, and into the kingdom, it does not mean that the thief will not come. Jesus makes it very clear. Just because you are here today, it does not mean that the thief will, will come and try to steal your blessings tonight. 
Right? This is what he says. Just because you are serving in your church, just because you are a, a worshiping community, a member of your community, it does not mean that the thief will, will forget you tonight at all. The fact that Pastor Deal has you know, humbly invited me to come, right? It does not mean that the thief will not come for him as well. Thieves will come. Jesus tells you this in this passage, that robbers will come for your soul, that the wolf will come. So then why then, right? This is my question. Why then, O church, are you so shocked when the thief comes, right? If you knew that a thief was coming into your house right now, right, tonight, at this very moment, what would you do? What if I told you tonight, like right now, um, you know, that, that, that tonight I'm going to steal your TV. Would you let me, you know, sleep in your living room tonight with a TV in? If you knew that a thief was coming tonight, wouldn't you arm yourselves with the right kinds of weapons to put up the right, even or to put up the right kind of defenses to deter this thief? Likewise, when the, you know, why are you so surprised when the enemy comes and he attacks you at your most vulnerable places, right? In the places where, where you get angriest the easily, easiest, in the places where you get jealous the easiest, in the places where, where, you, where, where you can't forgive. Right, Jesus Christ is saying, if you know the thief knows the most precious parts of your heart, the places where it causes you to sin, why aren't you doing more to protect these places in your heart? Why aren't you fleeing from your sinful physical relationship with your significant other right now? Why do you, you know, keep on, if you're tempted by the lure of money, why do you keep on seeking to fill your bank account with all these different things? See, if you knew the thief is coming to, if, like, I mean, literally, if there's a thief coming to your house right now, you would do everything to secure yourself from the thief and the robber, would you not? And so likewise, Jesus says in our passage that the enemy, he is coming for your soul. Maybe not tonight, maybe not tomorrow, but he is. And it's not just, and not just a what if, it's a promise. So click, right, next slide. Why are you living in such a way in which your doors, right, whether it be your heart, it may be your emotions, your spirit, whatever it may be, why are you living in such a way that, that you are not protecting yourself against the enemy when you know he's coming for your most valuable things in your life? Now, I want you to know that, you know, this passage, right, you know, as, as if not transition to the, the shepherd part, that this passage says as much as um, Jesus being our shepherd you know, as, as we are to be sheep, right? It, it's not just talk, Jesus is not talking about himself, say, oh, I'm the good shepherd, this is what I am, this is what I do, yada, yada, yada. But he has this whole subsection in which he wants us, us to understand that we are then to be like sheep. Right? This is not just a passage where Jesus talks about himself, he's talking to you guys as well. Meaning, if you fully, right, if after tonight you fully grasp the concept, yes, that Jesus is my good shepherd, then you must understand first, in order to get to that point, you must first understand that you are sheep and that you must think and you must act like sheep as a result. You know, there's this, you know, um, you know, there's this one pastor who, um, who preached you know, this, this, this same passage at his, at his church, right? It's a church, that's, I think, somewhere in the south. Um, and, he, and, he, and what he was told by one member in his congregation was that, you know, sheep are dumb, right? Sheep are um, prone to wander. Sheep are weak. Sheep are docile. Sheep are, you know, all these things, like forgetful and all these things. And, 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 and let's be honest, right? A lot of pastors, when you talk about Jesus as a good shepherd and we, be, we are sheep, you know, they also say, you know, the reason why Jesus or God likes us to sheep because we're dumb animals and we, you know, we wander and all these kind of things, right? Um, but after the sermon, 
one, one of his congregation members, you know, kind of, you know, stomped his feet, right? Came up to the, to the pastor, and, and, and he was angry. Why? Because he was a shepherd of, 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 of a prize-winning sheep for the past, like, 50 His household, you know, his family, his father, his father, his father. For 50 years, they had, the, 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 they had prize-winning sheep. And what he did was that he gave, it, gave that pastor an angry earful after service. And he was offended. Because why? Because this pastor got information from somebody in his congregation that sheep were stupid animal, that they were defense, and just, just all this derogatory ways. Now, now after, he, after the pastor explained himself, oh, I found it from this person, the shepherd goes, ah, oh, I see why you think that. Click. And, 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 and he said these things. He said, huh, well, that explains it. You know, that member, he's a cattleman who doesn't know a thing about sheep. Why? And cattle ranchers, they started this rumor that sheep are dumb because sheep, they don't act like cows. Cows are herded from the rear with shouts and prods from the cowboys. Well, that doesn't work with sheep. If you stand behind sheep making noises, they will run around you, click, run behind you. They actually prefer to be led. Cows can be pushed, but sheep must be led. And sheep won't go anywhere that someone else, right, meaning their trusted shepherd, does not dare to go first to show them everything is all right. Sheep and shepherd, they develop a bond like no other. They even have a language between them that outsiders are not privy to. So this is what he was saying. And so this is what I want to talk about, this relationship between our good shepherd and us as sheep, right? I want to make that connection about the language between the shepherd and the sheep. So click three things today is that we can trust the good shepherd. Why? Because number one, he knows his sheep. Number two, he provides for his sheep. And number three, he protects his sheep. Yeah, you you go click for that. Yeah. So number one, click, um, is is that he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. Now, this image of Jesus Christ as a shepherd, right, it was, it was a very powerful image in the early church. You know, nowadays when we think about Jesus Christ, what's the first image you think about Jesus? Right? You, you think about a cross, right? We think about Jesus, he's on a cross. Um, it's, it's, it's a very like, somber image. It's a very sad image. But, 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 but for, um, you know, for the early church, right, they didn't think about Jesus primarily on the cross. What they did was that they thought of Jesus as the shepherd. So click, one of the oldest images that we have of Jesus is actually from the third century. And in that picture is that we see Jesus holding a sheep on his shoulder. Um, and, 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 and this is how the early church knew their Savior. That, that the mighty Jesus, when I, even though when I went through persecution, went through trials and hardships, this is how they imagined and pictured their Savior. And this is how the, you know, the, the churches grew. Now, when the Jews were listening to Jesus talk about shepherds and sheep, you know, they, they immediately knew what he was talking They understood the metaphor. For example, if I said something like um, Jesus is, you know, if Jesus says, you know, I am the good kindergarten teacher, right, 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 what's the first image that you think in your head, right? You think, you know, for us, we're little children, hey, teacher, you know, and, and you know, loving our kindergarten. We say that's the first image we get, right? Um, you know, what if, Je- what if Jesus says, you know, I am the good lawyer, Right? You know, we, we would probably, you know, wouldn't want to be, follow him, and, you know, we, we were suspicious, and, you know, and, 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 and I guess, you know, that what you guys talk about nowadays, what if you said Jesus is the good influencer, right? The, right, social media, right? He's the influencer, right? And so whatever image I, I say, right, different things pop up in your head. Why? Because with, with these different characters, right, um, different images kind of pop up with their characteristics, and, and, and you know them. And then likewise, the, the Jews, right, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he knew what he was saying. You know, the sheep back then were like cars today, you know, and, and, and I get it, right? You know, we, we don't eat sheep, right, and we don't, 
ride, you know, I mean, I mean, we don't eat cars or we don't ride you know, sheep, right? But, but, you know, just like sheep were back then, cars were everywhere today, and sheep were everywhere. And it was very common to cross paths constantly with sheep back in the day. Now, one of the most interesting things about sheep, maybe, maybe you know this, maybe this is review for a lot of you guys, but shepherds, um, they would often gather their sheep into um, what we call sheep pen together, in these sheep folds, um, especially in these communal, larger town areas where multiple shepherds congregated together. And what would happen is that in the morning, every shepherd would come in the morning, and they would whistle, or they would you know, click their tongue once or twice, and, and after he did that, every sheep would respond, and they would come out, and they would begin following their very own shepherd. And so this is what Jesus Christ, the image he's trying to show us today, is that his sheep, his sheep know his voice, that Jesus, he knows his sheep, and his sheep, you know, know him, and he knows, what, and it's, it's this relationship back and forth, that there is this duality, and there's, you know, this, this is, you know, e- equality in the knowing and the hearing and all these things back and forth. Now, if you go to places like China, if you go to places like Australia and um, Great Britain, where sheep are largely reared for their meat, um, you see there's a different dynamics versus somewhere in Palestine. Because in Palestine, shepherds raise their sheep largely for their wool and their milk. And so what that means is that in Palestine versus, you know, in Great Britain or China or Australia, sheep in Palestine tend to live much longer. And they develop this, this, this understanding of the shepherd's voice, where in these countries, they're just raised for meat. And as soon as they're of age, they, they slaughter the sheep right away. And, 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 and because of this, there's this personality, there's this relationship that the shepherds know every sheep individually. And and you can see the vast difference between sheep that are raised for meat compared to sheep that are raised for wool. That British shepherds, for example, you know, when, when they steer the sheep, you know, they, they steer the sheep from behind. They take whips and they take dogs and, and, they, and they push the sheep from behind. But click. But when you look at Palestinian shepherds, they are always leading in the front. And the sheep know where the shepherds go. And so we read click. We read, for example, in Ezekiel 30, 34, when God is looking over the country of Israel and, and, and he compares them to sheep, God says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. Meaning that God, he knows the condition of his sheep. He knows whether his, his people are lost or straying or injured or weak. And so because God knows these things, it allows him to apply um, the right care for every single person, meaning he knows which sheep are prone to wandering. So what does God do? He sets two eyes on this sheep and that sheep and that sheep. He knows that some sheep are weaker than others, so he treats them more gently when he's checking for injuries or parasites. He knows you know, that, that there are some sheep that are prone to wander, and so he prods them very gently compared to other people. He knows these things about his sheep, and I want you to know, church, that, that there is great comfort when Jesus says that he is the good sheep, right? The better that a shepherd knows his flock, the better that he can care for the flock as well. So when Jesus Christ says that I know my sheep and my sheep know me, it should bring us a lot of comfort knowing this fact. Now, you know, I can bet that, I can bet money that, you know, none of you guys in this room have, you know, have probably ever come close to being a shepherd, right? I'm, I'm making the guess, right? No one has ever shepherded before, right? Okay, there you go, right? Um, but, but I'm going to tell you that there are some people in this congregation that have come close, and we call them parents, right? All the parents, raise your hands. Okay, that's, that's one, two, three, four, right? Maybe four people, right? Parents. Um, parents come close to what we call shepherds. 
Um, actually, if, if I think about it, I'm probably, I have the most kids, right? Four kids, right? So, and actually, right? Um, so, 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 so I probably know what a flock is then, right? Because I probably have the most kids, right? So, so knowing that, right? So just knowing that, right? I probably have the most kids out of anyone. Knowing that, right? Let me tell you what it is like the life of a shepherd, i.e. being a father, right? Is that this, is that, is that all of my children in, some, in the same way, right? In the same exact ways, all of them have my love, right? They're, they're the same in so many different ways. All my sheep, all my children are the same in that they all have my love, um, that they're all wretched sinners, right? All my children are wretched sinners. And number three, that they're all wretched sinners, right? So I know these things, right? All my children are the same because they're all sinners, right? But, they're, but, all, but my children too, they're all uniquely different. Um, any parent will tell you, right, that, 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 you know, whenever a child does anything wrong, right, every parent has a go-to look, right? You kind of like, you kind of like, you know, look at a kid, they're kind of like this, right? Every parent will tell you they have a go-to look, but they will also tell you that you can correct a child with this look, but to another child, that child won't be phased at all when you go like this to them. Um, case in point, click, right? Um, t- t- so, so, so back to my family, right? So this is my oldest daughter, Karis, right? When I give my carrots, uh, she, she, she's doing something, she's like, Mom, Dad, I don't want to do it. And I, and I go, go this look, right? She goes, ah, right? This is Karis's look. Ah, right? It's, it's like this like, defeated cheerleader, right? She gets upset. Ah, right? Dad, right? This is what she does. Chloe, my second one, the one, the second to, le- to, the, to your left, right? When you go like this to her, right? She goes, ah, right? This is what she does. Ah, right? She goes, she, goes, she storms off like this, right? My, my third child, right, which is, which is my son, when you go like this to Christian, like Christian, right, he always cries right away, right? This kid, kid's such a baby. This guy is the biggest sissy that I know, right? He just cries. Kara, the one right under my wife, when you go like this to her, right, she'll go, <laughs> she, I'm not kidding. She'll laugh at you, and she calls off your bluff every single time. I know that I can put a machine gun, right, in my oldest child's hand, right, in the first hand, and, and I know that I'll feel safe all the days of my life. But if I give a stick of butter to my, to, to Carol, my, my last daughter, right, I know that she will do something that will injure all of us, you know, later that night. Why? Because I know as a shepherd that some children are tender, right? My, my first child and, and, and my son, they're very ten, well, I mean, tender wussy, right? They're, they're very tender children, um, you know, and, and, and I know other things as well. You know, I know that some are stubborn, right? My, 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 my last daughter, right, the, the, the little daughter, she's so stubborn. I know when some of them are hurting. I know when, you know, there's some kids, one of my kids, my, my smallest daughter, she never gets hurt at all. And, and the thing is that all this knowledge that you have as a parent, allows you to parent each individual child better. Click. Now go back to Ezekiel 34 again, right? Read that verse one more time. And I want you to see what Jesus knows about us, right? He, he knows our weaknesses. He knows our vulnerabilities. And, and here's what I know from experience. Click. Both as a pastor and as a Christian as well, is that the issue is not believing head knowledge that Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. That's not the issue today. So the issue that we struggle with in this moment is that, you know, is that, is that we are weak sheep, right? That, that who need the good shepherd. This is the problem tonight. See, oftentimes we want to hide who we truly are from others. Why? Because, because we know that we are weak and frail, that whatever image and whatever, whatever we put to other people, it's just a falsity. 
right? We know that who we are on the inside, that we're really agitable people, that we're angry. We get easily ticked off by other comments. And, and when we do that, we like to keep this from other people. You know, we don't want to show people our weaknesses. Instead, we'd rather put a cover on it and come to places like this and pretend we're, we're this, you know, put-together Christian who is here just to love Jesus Christ. Right? I think, click, I think about Psalm 139. Right? And this is the first four, vo- first four verses. And, and, and the psalmist writes, Oh Lord, you have searched, right? Not just searched, you have known me. Uh, you know when I sit down. You discern my thoughts. Everything in here, oh God. You search out my path and when I'm lying down. And you're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word. Even before I know what to say, God. Even before a, a thought is in my heart, in my head. Behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. And, and, and if you think about that, that God knows everything about us, that thought alone is frightening altogether. Had it not been clicked, the next two verses. Because what we find in the next two verses is that the same God who knows every detail, every, every bad thing about us, every negative thought, every time we judge someone, all these bad things, we know that in verse 5 that this same God who knows us is the same one who hems us in, who, 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 who rips open, literally he rips open our bodies, our thoughts, everything. And he sees all the negativity inside of us. And yet this God, knowing this, what he see in verse 5, he hems us in. He says, don't worry, my child, I don't judge you in that way. I know who you are, and, and I hem you in and put my arms to wrap around you, right? Um, I, behind and before you, and what? And I lay my hands upon you. See, who else, who else would we want to know this much about ourselves but the one who promised us to, know, to be with us, to hem us in before and behind, to safeguard us, and to minister us to in our weaknesses, See, wherever I go in my life, I know that Christ is with me, that he surrounds me, as this passage says, that he never abandons me and that he, because he knows me. He knows that I'm a weak person. He knows that whatever front I may put on you, uh, in front of you today, that when I go back home, you know, I think all these fear of man things in my head all the time and that I need the good shepherd. You see, the good shepherd, as scripture says, does not break the bruised reed. He does not quench the smoldering reed as well. He knows our frame, and he knows that we are but dust at the end. So because of that, our God gently cares for us, and he deals with us according to all of our individual and specific needs. Two weeks ago, I, um, you know, I preached to um, in our, our children's ministry, and, 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 one of the, and, and you know, because you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, lead pastors, we, we get so distant from, from the children's ministry that they don't know who we are. And so I decided two weeks ago, I'm, I'm going to preach to our children's ministry, you know, just, just, just so that they know that I'm their pastor, not just their parents' pastor. And one of the kids, at the end of the service, he started to cry. You know, no, not because it was a bad sermon, not because of any of these things, right? But because at the end of the sermon, he didn't see his parents right away. You know, mommy, daddy, right? I mean, you parents know this, right? So, so what I did was that, you know, I, I, I held the child because, you know, because, you know, it was, it was, it was one of our members' children. And, and I waited until the parent came back. Um, when, when, when the father finally came, right, he, he didn't rebuke his son for crying. He didn't say, come on, right? Every Sunday we come in here and every Sunday we go home, don't we? You know, why are you crying? No, he didn't do that. He picked up his son and he wiped away the tears and he comforted his child. Why? Because he knows that he's just a child. He knows that children, when they lose their parents' voices long enough, that they begin to cry out to their parents' voice. 
And this is my point today, is that the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. That some of you guys have not heard your father's voice in a long time. And, 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 and I know in faith that he's coming to hold you again. He knows that we are sheep and he deals with us as sheep. Not as meat, but as sheep. Tenderly and carefully. And so, so, so my, 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 um, my point to you is that I hope that you know, dear Christian, um, that you know this in your heart and that you can run to him regularly. Click. Just to underscore this knowledge, <clears throat> um, in verse 14 and 15, this is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. And th- this is what, right? I know my own and my own know me, right? And what does he say? Just as, right? This is what blew my mind. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Not that, you know, I, I know you and you know me and my Father knows me and I know my Father, right? He doesn't say that. He says, just as I know you and you know me. That same knowledge is as much as the Father knowing me and I knowing my Father. And that, and, and, and that alone should rupture every circuit in your head. Right? Think about the knowledge, the amount, the depth, and the breadth, and the length of the knowledge that the Father has of the Son and the Son of the Father. Right? How deep and how wide and how high that must be. Right? These two, the Father and the Son, they've coexisted with one another. They've belonged to one another for all of eternity, enjoying one another, delighting in, itself, in one another, and dwelling as one. And yet Jesus says that his knowledge of us, his knowledge of us, right? And now that our knowledge of him is at least comparable to the knowledge between the Father and the Son and the Son of the Father, right? That should boggle your mind, O church, right? That in some mysterious way, that, that I don't know how it works out in heaven, that we will forever be known by and also know Christ himself. That we belong to him as, as he belongs to us. And as inseparable as, the, as Christ is to the Father, so are we then to Christ also. And, and I'm saying this should blow your mind. See, how can you know then that all this is true, right? I mean, is Jesus just blowing dust? Is he just blowing this in our ear and, and hoping some of it will stick? No. Because multiple times Jesus says in this passage that he lays his life down for the sheep. And as the good shepherd, he's showing us at what lengths that he will go for the eternal protection of his sheep. This is the good shepherd who protects us with his life. This is your ironclad guarantee of his love and his knowledge, his protection over you. He proved himself in the costliest of ways, um, in our greatest of needs. Click. Which then should lead us to point number two is that the good shepherd provides. This is how we trust him because he provides for his sheep. Click. Now, let me read um, this verse. Um, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's the hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Now, it wasn't uncommon back then for sheep, shepherds to hire other shepherds as well as hirelings. Um, in fact, uh, what the studies um, show that one shepherd, a good shepherd, could manage about 500 sheep, right? 500 sheep in a pasture by himself. If there were more, he probably hired one or two other shepherds as hirelings. Now, even if he didn't have the 500 she- sheep, right, maybe he had 40, 50, 100 sheep, um, many shepherds hired other shepherds as well to help watch these sheep because watching sheep is a 24-7 type of job. And it goes without saying that even shepherds needed to sleep and to rest at night. 
These shepherds, you know, they were responsible in making sure that the sheep were well fed, um, that, the, that the land that they were grazing upon wasn't overgrazed. Um, and, they also, and, and some of the facts was that um, you know, they, they had to make sure that at all times that, that the flock was within 20 miles of, of fresh running water and in the wintertime about 10 miles or less. They had to lead them from pasture to pasture. They had to bind their wombs if they were hurt. They had to find the ones who were astray. They had to separate the sheep that were fighting because of mating reasons. Um, and, and most importantly, to protect the sheep then from outer threats. But a hireling, whenever a wolf came, he fled. Why? Because a hireling, he didn't respect the worth of the sheep. He respected his life. Now, it's not that these sheep were wicked, right? That's, 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 these shepherds were wicked. Because you remember, have to remember, it's the thieves, the robbers, the wolf. Those are the wicked ones. But rather, these hirelings, they would rather preserve their own life than for the life of the sheep. The sheep weren't a home. Instead, let me refer you to Psalm 23, which is probably like the definitive chapter on, on a shepherd, a good shepherd. But click. But I'm going to focus mostly on the last verse because this is the promise that David wrote when, 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 he, when he wrote the psalm. He said that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, meaning that it's a guarantee. It's, just, it's, 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 it's something that shouldn't be questioned, right? Surely, guarantee, I promise you that both goodness, right, the goodness of God and the mercy of God will follow all of God's sheep all the days of their lives. Meaning that these two graces of God's sheep follow them wherever they go. And, and, and you can't shake them. You can't shake them all. And, 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 and I want you to know that, that this is so that God, he, he knows what you need. And, and, that, and so don't ever think that he can provide for them. Um, a, a quick uh, illustration, right? Um, so, so in my high school, I, I was involved in, in a lot of musicals. Um, I did um, the, you know, the, the pit orchestra at times. You know, I did some of the acting here and there. But um, the thing you have to know about musicals is that whenever you stand on stage, is that um, there's always a bright light. So whoever the main actor is on stage, there is always going to be a spotlight that, that, that comes upon that actor. And it's usually not one spotlight. You know, in our school, um, it, was, it, was, it was a more well-to-do um, school. So we always had two spotlights. We had two people on that side and that side. Two people shining their spotlights on the actor, the person on stage. And, 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 and what happened was that because there's two lights on you, there's going to be two shadows that go behind you. Click. And, 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 these, and these, you know, and I, 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 I love this movie. I have, to, I have to put it in every single sermon, right? So if you look in the back of Zac Efron, you see there's one shadow that comes this way and one shadow that goes that way. And, and the point is that you know, no matter where the actor was, right, every good spotlight person, if the actor was here and the actor was running across the stage and he was here, that these spotlights would follow the actors everywhere and there was two shadows always behind the, act, the actor. Likewise. When the light of God's countenance shines upon you, in Psalm 23, 6, it says that goodness and mercy will always follow you all the days of your life. That, 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 that you can't shake God's goodness in your life, that you cannot shake God's mercy wherever you are. Sure, you can doubt that, and I'm sure that some of you guys may be doubting this right now. And sure, you can wonder if, if God's mercy is really on you, but they're always following you because the Lord knows what you need more than, 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 than you do. See, this is the trust that can base our foundations, right? This is the trust that God's goodness will join you for every good day that you have. 
but his mercy will cover you in all the bad ones as well. And it's this promise that he evidenced himself in, in, this, in his sacrificing himself for us. That, that these two good things, goodness and mercy, will always follow you all the days of your life. And point three, and this is what I want to focus on the most quick, is this. Is that we can trust then. We can trust that he is a good shepherd. Why? Because he protects his sheep. Now, I'm going to spend a little time on this because there's, I think I need to correct some misunderstandings of what this is saying because I think a lot of us have gone this point wrong quick. Um, when Jesus Christ says that the good shepherd lays his down for the sheep, um, you know, we love this statement because, you know, and when we think about a shepherd laying down a sheep because of the wolf coming or something like that, you know, we love this image because for us, you know, we have these images of Jesus and, and this is the epitome of our Savior's commitment to us and all these things. But to all the original hearers, when they heard um, Jesus Christ said this, you know, it, it, it would have been shocking for them to hear, right? They would have said, shepherds laying down their lives for the sheep? You know, ha! You know, in what world would any shepherd lay down and, you know, and, and just die for the sake of the sheep? And they would say, Jesus, you are as ignorant as you are blasphemous. In fact, the theologian, click, D.A. Carson, he says this, he says, but the death of shepherds for such reasons must have been fairly rare. It's, it was a rare occurrence. Why? Because even then, it would never be the intention of the shepherds to die. That will leave his flock entirely exposed. So meaning that it was very rare for shepherds to lose their life protecting their sheep. In fact, ordinarily, the shepherd's calling was not to die for his sheep, but to live for his sheep, right? That's what shepherds wanted to live for the sheep. And I have to make this point because I think we lose the weight of Jesus' statement in verse 11. A lot of us, when we think of Jesus, when he says, I lay my life down for the sheep, a lot of times, you know, we, you know, we think of there's this hungry wolf, like, kind of, right, and, there's, and it's running to the flock, right, there's, you know, and, and, and the church or whatever it may be, and this wolf is running, right, and, you know, like, you know, spit and, you know, whatever, everywhere, the teeth is bloody, all this stuff. And we have this image that Jesus is like, no, not the lambs, right? We think that Jesus, take me instead, right? I mean, Jesus is saying, take me instead, you know? I, mean, I will gladly, you know, you know, give my life up so that one of these sheep is saved. But Jesus, he's not making this, this simple metaphor, right? He's not, he's not making this metaphor that, I'm, I, I, you know, of course I'll die for you, right? That's not what he's trying to say, um, describing his great love for us. In fact, click, Carson goes on. He says that, the shepherd does not die for a sheep to serve as an example. And I think this is where we get it wrong, is that we think, oh, man, that's such a nice thing for Jesus to say that he would die for me. Oh, I love him more. But he's not doing this as an example. He's not throwing himself off of a cliff in a grotesque and futile display of love while bellowing, see how much I love you, right? This is how much I love you, right? And just like willing, he just dies, you know, just to show how much he loves you. He says, no, the assumption is that the sheep are in mortal danger, that in their defense, the shepherd loses his life, and that by his death, and only by his death, could they be saved. See, this is what makes him the good shepherd above all else, that he willingly dies for the sheep to protect them, right? Um, that, that, that it's, it's, it's a different type of salvation. If the, if, if, if the only shepherd of the flock were to die, then the flock is abandoned to death. And there is nothing or there is no one to protect the flock as a result. 
But Jesus, as the good shepherd, he knows um, that if he does not die, right, this is the point, if I do not die, then the, the flock will be abandoned to darkness forever. And so he allows himself to be devoured, um, you know, so that we might live ultimately at the very, right? It, it, it's not an easy decision of him showing his love. It's the only way for us to live at the very end. This is the only way, and because of that, this is why he is the good shepherd. Now, let me spend some time on the wolf, right? Because I spent a lot of time on the shepherd um, and us as sheep, right? Now the wolf. Now, just as I spoke a little bit about thieves and robbers before, what is then the wolf strategy? Because, you know, a lot of times we don't think about the wolf in the story. Because before the wolf, right, if, if, if I'm the wolf, before me, right, I, I, I have the flock in front of me. But the only thing standing in my way is this good shepherd, right? right, right? I have this tasty meal of all your young adults here today. But the thing before me is this good shepherd who willingly lays down his life so that the sheep may live. Click. What we learn about the, the, is that the wolf is this, is that, um, is that the wolf comes, right? And what the wolf's purpose and what his strategy is, is that he comes to scatter the flock. If he can scatter the flock, if he can break open the flock, he can attack you individually one by one and snatch you one by one. It's an easy meal. Sheep have no defenses. The wolf will have a heyday. It's, it's, it's a, bu- a, a, a sheep buffet at that point. And so, and so what Christ says is that this is what the wolf does. He comes to scatter the flock. And this is why Jesus then says, this is why we need community that much more. That there is strength in the numbers of the church. That there is strength in the flock. Do you know why, uh, do you know why Christians fall? Do you know why we sin? Do you know why we fall apart from the grace of God a lot of times? It's because we're found outside of the flock. Right? We're found outside of the church body. We're found outside of brothers and sisters who will keep us accountable. And we're, and we're found outside of the good shepherd's care. And if the wolf, right, catches you alone tonight, tomorrow, at any point in your life, then the point is he will devour you. Are you found, right? So let me, application point. Are you found in an intimate body of believers when the wolf wants to attack? Because let me tell you that the wolf scatters believers apart so that he can destroy. That's why, right, when we think about Luke chapter 15 and Jesus says that he leaves the 99 to go get the one sheep, right? right? It's not because the sheep was lonely, right? I, I feel that's what um, this modern generation say. Oh, this poor sheep, he must be so lonely, right? Jesus is, you know, he, Jesus is like, hey, 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 hey there, you know, don't cry alone, right? I, I feel like this is what we think. The sheep was scattered. That one sheep was scattered from the rest of the 99. And the wolf was coming to eat that sheep. See, Jesus, he didn't come because you were lonely. Jesus' main concern for you today is not that he would just be your best friend and that you wouldn't be lonely tonight and you wouldn't have to be alone as you go to sleep. That's not it is. He didn't come to solve your loneliness primarily. No, he came so that you wouldn't be destroyed. Right? This is what the enemy does. One pastor said, um, and, and I love this, is that he said that the last step before destruction is isolation. The last step before you start sinning and falling away from the graces of God is when you become isolated. So, so think about that. 
right? Why do marriages fall apart? It's because the, 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 the two couples, right, they become isolated. The husband starts isolating himself away from the family, and he's, and he's with a mistress, right? Think about your work, right? The reason why you start cheating in your work and doing dishonest things is because you're isolated from the rest of, of, your, of your co-workers, and you start doing things. You start stealing things from the company that you shouldn't be, from your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Why do you, why do you sleep together at night? Because you're isolated from the rest of the people late at night behind locked dorm rooms. And Jesus says is that isolation is the, is the last step before destruction. It is what you do behind closed doors that will often destroy you. So what the enemy does is this, right? This is how the enemy um, gets you, right? Gets, gets the sheep to leave, right? He starts whispering in your ear, you know, hey, you know, nobody loves you. Hey, nobody cares for you. Right? No one hears you. Nobody notices that you are gone from church. You know, the pastor doesn't even notice that you're here. Your small group forgot about you. You don't need them. Right? I mean, what have they done for you? Why should you forgive her? It's you that is hurt. Why can't they understand you? We don't need them. You need to focus on you. And so the enemy, the wolf, he starts whispering these things in your ears and he starts separating you from the rest of the church community. And these are the lies that the wolf uses to destroy and to snatch up the sheep. Church, you have got to fight the temptation. You have got to fight the lie that you are unlovable, that you are unforgivable, and that you are unredeemable. And, 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 and let me just say this as a result. If you are here today and you are pushing anyone outside of the body as well, right, maybe intentionally you're gossiping and, and, and you don't like this person and, you, and it's, like, it's like me versus them and you're pushing them away or maybe even unintentionally. There's something you did a while ago and, 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 and you, you notice this person isn't talking to you, but you're like, whatever, that's their problem. You are leading the sheep of the good shepherd into the mouths of ravenous wolves. You have got to repent. If you're leaving sheep to, to be eaten by wolves, and you need to be broken in the humility before God. So what does the wolf do? Right? Before me are all of these sheep, and they look so good. Right? The sheep, I can scatter them. That's not the problem, right? I can whisper lines. I can separate you. I can make factions in the church. Whatever they may be, I can separate the flock. That's not the problem. So who is the problem? Ah, click. It's the shepherd. If I can eliminate the shepherd tonight, if I can take out the shepherd, right, then, then it'll be a flock without a shepherd. So I'll eliminate him. I'll make every religious believer, every religious leader, believe that he's blasphemous. That's what I do. In fact, you know what I'll do? I'll make every single person that follows Jesus Christ either be a sinner or an outcast, or poor, or, or dependent, or needed, whatever it may be. In fact, may, you know, and, and the wolf goes further. You know, I'll make every single one of his disciples scatter when persecution comes, right? When all the followers of Jesus, when he's on, and when he's dying, I'll make them scatter in persecution. Heck, I'll even make one of his disciples betray him for only 30 silver coins. I'll take that shepherd and I'll lash him in the back in front of all the followers. I'll mock him by putting a crown of thorns on his head. I'll make him carry his own cross. I'll put nails in his hands and on his feet, right? And then I'll kill him. No, that's way too easy. Instead, I'll make him carry that cross up high in the mountain on Mount Golgotha, outside the walls of Jerusalem, like a common thief, right? Nailed between two um, thieves. And you know what I'll do? Click. 
as the ultimate form to, to kill this shepherd, a mountain high on top of a mountain, so the whole world will see that he's nothing but a blasphemer and a common thief. And do you know what? It worked. It worked. All of Jesus' sheep that day scattered. The flock broke apart, and the enemy was having a field day, right? Jesus died on Friday, party on Friday. He's dead on Saturday, party on Saturday, right? All of hell was having a party. In fact, we learned in Luke 24 that in the road to Emmaus, that many of these disciples, they were confused, and they started leaving Jerusalem saying, man, you know, we really thought that this was the one, that he was the Christ, that he was God's anointed. We really thought that he was the good shepherd, but he failed. But click, do you know one thing that the wolf forgot? There is one thing that the wolf forgot that I don't want you to forget. That in verse 17 and 18, that Jesus says, yes, I lay my, down, I lay my life down. I come, I'm going to die. But he says, but I'm going to take it up again. Right, verse 18, I have authority to take it up again. You see, this is what the enemy forgot, church. That it wasn't the power of the wolf that killed the sheep. But it was the authority of the son to lay down his life and to take it up again. You see, verse 17 and 18, when Jesus speaks these words, he's not speaking these words as a martyr. He's not forced into death by the powers of darkness. In verse 17 and 18, what Jesus says is that I, 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 I yield my life, I lay my life down so that at the end I can conquer death. And in the powers of sin and absorb the wrath of God for your sake to protect us. See, for the joy of the cross that was set before him, he endured the cross. He knew that it, for our life, for us to live today, it required his death. And our death, for him to die, it required us then to live, right? It was his life for our death. See, church, this is what the good shepherd means today. And, the, and what we find is that though the flock, Scattered at first. Though our flock scattered on Friday and Saturday, they were all scattered. Even on Sunday morning, they were all scattered. What we find in the pages of scripture is that the good shepherd brought them back. He was calling his back, the sheep back through the preaching of the apostles. And click, and though it took about 50 days, what we find in Acts chapter 2 is this. Is that Peter, as he stands up before all the people, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. So those who received the word, his words were baptized and they were added to this day. About 3,000 people. How many people were added to that day, church? I, I didn't hear you. How many people were added to that day? 3,000 that the wolf will never snatch and scatter and devour from the kingdom of God. And if you follow the rest of the Acts, uh, of Acts chapter 2 from verse 42 and on, what you find is that Jesus' sheep, they started meeting daily, right? They started devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were breaking the bread. They prayed together. They, they gave all that they have in the middle financially, and they praised God, right? Why? Because they knew the voice of the good shepherd. That it was never to be without the strength of the church community. Click. So let me end with this. Jesus says, in his last words you know, in this passage, is that he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Right? All the sheep 
right? There are other sheep, and my work is not done yet, right? And we are going to be one flock, and, you know, under one shepherd today. This is the voice of your shepherd. This is what he's saying to you today, that there are other people out there that need to know the voice of the good shepherd. See, what we do here today, right? Yes, we're here to strengthen the church here today, but this is not the only goal of the church, our goal, and, and, and if we do not do this, right, on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and all the days of the week, right, then we don't know the voice of the shepherd. There are other sheep, church, that are not in the fold. So go. You need to bring these sheep back in at whatever cost to yourself. You need to bring them into the, uh, into the flock, into the sheepfold of Christ. May Orlando, and this is my prayer, may Orlando be filled with the sheep that heed his voice, those who know the voice of the shepherd to bring those that are not of this fold into this revival meeting that when you have this next year that the numbers will be double because you guys were faithful to the shepherd's voice this is the shepherd's voice one flock one shepherd to go out and to bring the rest into the church let's pray said earlier before that you know the good shepherd he doesn't just know all the good things about you he doesn't know that he doesn't just know that you came to this worship night and that you you know have been praying a little bit more and you made dedications to God and all these things you know he knows your weaknesses he knows which one of you are go or go lost that go astray he knows which one of you are weak he knows which one of you struggle with pornography or you're in a sexual relationship right now that you shouldn't be in right now. He knows your lustful thoughts. He knows that, that, that you get jealous of worldly things and, and he knows that you're attracted to these things. And, and he knows that, that in your spare time that, that, that your heart may be not there. He knows these things about you. And because he knows, he sets two eyes on you, not to judge you. He's not ripping you apart saying, hey, look at this, look at that. I know this about you. But he hems, he sows all your weaknesses and brokenness within. And he lays his hand upon you. And he says, I am your good shepherd. I know that you are weak. And we're going to do something about this. But change is not going to happen until we start confessing our need for the shepherd. Right? A lot of times we don't want to be weak sheep. We don't want to pretend, not to pretend, we don't want to be who we are in real life we'd rather pretend to be someone else that that you know you know we'd rather pretend to be the worship leader that has everything you know right and done and everything there's no problem and, and, and i figured out life and i give my all to jesus christ right we'd rather be that person than the person who comes as he or she is broken and weeping before our, our good shepherd but i want to tell you that there is safety there is gentleness in the good shepherd today and if you haven't trusted him knowing all that you are and yet hemming you from before and from behind let's take the leap of faith let's trust in him today and start lifting up who we really are before jesus christ and saying jesus you know this about me even before i even said these words and you're gonna walk me and you're gonna heal me and like sheep that were hurt you know in the pasture and need to be bandaged 
I believe and trust that you will hurt and you will heal and you will bandage all these sins in me today so that I don't have to be weak and broken tomorrow. You know, let's, if many of you guys haven't really prayed, you know, a, a, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of openness and honesty and genuineness, let's use this time right now to, to, to believe and trust that he is good, that he sets two eyes upon you today. That, that if he knows that you're wandering, he will gently push you back into the fold because he knows how dangerous it is out there. If you're wandering away from the church right now and, and you stop believing that the church is good for you and you've been living your life as a renegade Christian, as a renegade sheep, maybe it's time to trust in this church again. Maybe it's time to make some forgivenesses and, and, and ask for um, you know, you know, prayer from other people and to repent of these sins. I don't know what it is in you right now, but let's spend some time right now before our good shepherd as weak sheep. For him to be our good shepherd, we need to come to him as sheep. Let's do this today and right now. Can we spend some time in prayer before our good shepherd? One of the one of the reasons why we fall away from you know the, from the from the protection of our shepherd is that we forget that we are children of God. And a lot of times when we come to church, you know, we don't really come through those doors. Although we do sit down in the in the pews, what we do is that we kind of judge the church. We look from the outside. You know, we we think to ourselves, Will this church accept me for who I am? And we come scared, and our hearts really aren't open. And why? Because we don't come as children. Into the, into the sanctuary. We come judged, feeling judged and feeling not worthy and we, we come as neighbors of God. But I want to tell you today that you are all children, that your primary identity before God should be as a child, that, that you can come into this place without any restrictions, without any judgment. That, 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 and, and, and I know that some of you have forgotten what God's voice sounds like because you've been peering from outside of the windows looking in and hoping that, that, that God will let you through these doors. But let me tell you that the doors are open. 
that Jesus says, I am the door, and you have full access to the Father's love. And if you come today, not as neighbors, not as strangers, you know, not as a merchant or a robbers or whatever it may be, that, but today if you come as children, that you will always have access to the heart of God, that you have union with Christ, and this union guarantees adoption, and you're brought into the family, and that, that He will be with you, that He will, he will sanctify, He will make you holy, and all these things, He will bring you that much more closer to His heart. So let's pray right now as children. If you've forgotten the Father's voice, let's be honest, God, I've forgotten what, it sound, what your voice sounds like. I've forgotten what it is means to come to you as a child. I, I, I feel like I'm coming to you as a teenager that I don't need my father's hug. I don't need my father's embrace. I don't need my father's arm. But, 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 but I want to come to you now as a child that I've forgotten how to love you, honestly. I've forgotten how to say my prayers of a father. I've used words like holy God and, and Lord and all these words, but I've been used words like father. Help me to come as a child to you today, to embrace the father's arms, to embrace the father's hug, to be embraced by you, to trust that you know me and that you, and you knew me and I would be here too. So let's spend some time crying out as a child. Let's cry out to our Father. Let's, let's, let's be honest. I don't know what your voice sounded like, but I want to come back again. I want to grab your legs, and I don't want to let go, because in you I have the one thing I've been searching for my entire life. I've chased after other lovers. I've chased after other things. But Lord, I just want to come. I want to rest from these things. I want to come to your feet today. Hold me. Bring me up. Lift me as a child and hug me. Let's pray this right now. A, a sheep, you may come to the position and this blessedness of a place where you're a child again. But the enemy will come. The thief is going to come to you, your heart tonight. And after tonight, he's going to whisper things, right? That, oh, what you prayed wasn't real. That you are a hypocrite. That, 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 that you are a liar. 
that all these things that you wish that you don't really mean them, you only pray them because the pastor said these things to you, right? The enemy is going to do whatever he can do to separate you from the rest of the flock to make you feel as if you're not worthy of his love, to make you feel as if you're not accepted, to feel as if that you're not part of the flock or that God doesn't look at you as a child. He's going to do whatever he can to reignite some of the anger issues, the, the gossips, you, to remember the hurts and the pains, right, of back at home, at, of someone in your church, when you go back to church tomorrow, that he's going, to, he's going to make you remember how this person hurt you or that person lied to you or how maybe the pastor forgot about you, all these things. If the enemy, if I'm telling you, if the enemy is going to come tonight, I want you to guard yourself from those things. That whatever ways that you know that are valuable, whatever triggers in your heart that you know that easily make you fall from the graces of God, from the, you know, from the voice of God, I want you to protect yourself right now. Pray to God, protect me, help me to fortify my anger, right, so that I wouldn't be angry so easy. God, you know these negative things. Be the good shepherd of my life. Help me to fight against the enemy. Equip me with the right um, weapons and the right defenses against the enemy's attack. Whatever it may be, if you're someone that likes to wander, right? If you think that you're a renegade Christian, maybe you need to pray for the Father to, 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 to stop doing these things, to, to learn how to live life together in community. Whatever it is, I'm going to tell you the enemy's going to come for you tonight. And you need to protect yourself and arm yourself against the enemy. Now, you know what these trigger things in your hearts are. You know which sins that you're prone to fall to easily. And whatever these things are, may you ask your Father for the protection that you need. That if you need to forgive someone tonight, let's pray that you will learn to forgive them tonight. If you need to let go of certain things in your relationship that you know are sinning against the Lord, then you need to stop these things right now. You need to have an honest talk with your, with your girlfriend or boyfriend of these things. If you know you're cheating in your company right now, you need to fortify these things and repent and to start changing your ways, start blessing your company rather than cheating yourself of valuable work hours. Whatever it may be, the enemy is coming to attack you in the most vulnerable of places. What are they? And let's protect our hearts right now. Let's pray, let's spend some time praying that right now. What is it, the precious things in your heart that you need to protect and ask God for the right defense and let's pray. If you're far away, I want you to get someone, maybe put your arms on their shoulder, whatever it is. But, but I want you to pray for someone right now. You know, I, I want us to understand how important this community is. That what we're doing here tonight is not just a gathering, but this is the community in which you will fight the attacks of the enemy, right? That the wolf is going to scatter you, that he wants to snatch you up. 
But you need to learn how to rely the person next to you today. You need to rely, rely on the strength of your church, the strength of your leaders. We need to do this because this is the only protection we have against the wolf. So can we spend some time praying for the person next to us? Can we pray? You may not know the person, but that doesn't matter. You know the God who intercedes for you instead. So whatever it may be, I know the Spirit will take your prayers and bless the person. And so let's pray that the person will never fall away from the fold of God. Let's pray that they will only listen to the voice of the Father and not of the wolf. Let's pray that they will come to, to the Father as a child and not as a stranger or as a neighbor. And let's pray this for the person next to us right now. Let's pray. last topic, you know, as, as a church, you know, it, 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 it's my big conviction, you know, that this shepherd, right, that what he says to us is that there are other sheep not in this fold. This is the voice of the shepherd. This is not my voice. This is not the voice of the praise team. This is not the voice of our pastors. This is your good shepherd's voice. And he says that there are people out there that are part of this fold, and he's relying on you. He's relying on the church to bring them into the walls of this church. This is your duty, sheep. This is your duty as sheep, not just to listen, you know, and just, you know, to enjoy one another's company. But there are people out there that the wolves is snatching up daily. Can we, as a convicted church, leave this place, not just feeling good about ourselves in a relationship with the shepherd and the father, but can we go out and to look at the rest of the world as our harvest, that the rest of the world as, 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 as sheep that are lost out there. Can we look at them as the one sheep who, who don't need this company? We need to bring them into the fold of God. Can you make that your purpose today? Right, Not just to listen to God's voice, but to, to know that there are people dying out there who need to be fed the bread of life. And that in you, you have everything to bring them back in. 
But can we, as our last prayer, can we lift up those who are lost that you know, not just the lost in general, but people in your schools, in your classrooms, in your jobs, and even in your family, people in your church that come every single week, right, that, that, that you just, just kind of acknowledge them, but, but they've been seeking and they've been wanting the love of God in, in, you know, embedded in their hearts. Can we pray for these specific people, the neighbors, people that you're witnessing to, that, 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 that they would know the shepherd's voice as you know his voice. This is your shepherd's voice. And the last thing he said before he left us is that he says, bring them into my fold. I entrust you today. And if you trust the shepherd, this is what you will do all the days of your life. So can we pray right now for the conviction, for the, you know, and, and we don't have to be like Paul, the Apostle Paul. We don't have to be, you know, great in how we do it. The fact that we are on this side of heaven's gate means that we have more to give than those outside of it. So wherever you may be in your faith, know that you have more faith than someone who does not know God. And use that as your weapon and tool and the, your gospel, your good news for the people out there. So let's pray right now for the lost. And let's pray specifically for people that we know that they would encounter God through us. Not in general, not by a past, not by the leader, not by the house of shepherds, but through us, through me today. And as that, as that last prayer topic, the praise will then lead us in a time of response and worship to our God. Let's pray. one last sermon illustration but um, so I'm, I like science um, and I was shocked when Pluto was taken out as you know in my entire life you know the you know in, in, in my daughter's age she will never know that Pluto is once a, a planet um, and it saddens me because Pluto is always a planet to me but you know Pluto has 
all the characteristics of a planet. You, you know what a planet is? A planet is when a, a, a mass of body um, orbits the sun. Now, what makes Earth a planet and Pluto not a planet is not that not only must the planet rotate and orbit around the sun, is that, but that every planet must also have a moon orbiting itself. And as the planet orbits the sun, and as the moon orbits the planet, that moon is also orbiting around the sun as well. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. If the sun is Jesus Christ, and we are the earth, what makes us different from Pluto, right? And this is what Jesus says, what makes you a disciple is that you have to have disciples following you as well. A Christian isn't a Christian just because he or she loves Jesus and follows Jesus and you know, does everything for Jesus, right? That makes you a Pluto. But what makes you a follower, a true follower of Jesus, is when you have someone following you as you follow Jesus Christ. As you orbit your life and all that you are around Jesus, that person orbits their life around you as they're also orbiting around Jesus as well. I want to see planets today. I want to see disciples taking up the call and saying that, 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 that my discipleship is not complete if I only follow Jesus. But my discipleship is complete when someone else is following me so that I point them to follow Jesus Christ as well, so that I may make them into planets as well as they are my moon today. This is what I hope for our church, that we become a church full of planets, discipling other people, making them into followers as they disciple other people as well. So God, Lord, as we conclude tonight, Lord, as we come under the message of um, Jesus Christ as the bread of life, as the good shepherd, God, I, I, I pray, Lord, with all my heart, that I pray that what they listen to were not just my words, but they listen to the shepherd's words. That God, all this would mean nothing if all they did was to write about what the sermon was about. But Lord, it would, that it would find its fruition that the sheep today finally remember the shepherd's voice. That they listened. And the shepherd said, go. There are other sheep out there that are not a part of my fold. And I want you to make us into one body. If that's what we took out of this whole weekend, then God, that's the success. That's what I'm praying for. That they will not listen to me, but they will listen to you. And when they do that, Lord, that God, that we will see this room double and triple and a hundredfold blessing because we listen to your voice, not the voice of man, but the voice of our shepherd. So thank you, Father God, for this message, for reminding us that you are a shepherd, that we can come to you as children because the door is open, that there are no restrictions, there are no boundaries, that God does not care about your past because his grace is greater, and that we can come and we can be in the protection of the sheep, and that God, that you will send us in the authority of the Son. We thank you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.